All right. Good morning, Christ Church. Hey, glad you're here in uh, West with us. Maybe you're joining us in East or joining us online. Uh, however you're here, we're just glad you're hanging out with us uh, this morning. Uh, I'm Pastor Bob, one of the pastors here at Christ Church. Uh, and today we're wrapping it up. We're wrapping up our series, You in uh, Five Years, and kind of piggybacking on uh, last week uh, where we did uh, failure protection part one. So, of course, today's failure protection part two. Last week we did the don'ts. This week we're going to do uh, the do's, okay? And, of course, in the series, remember, we've been trying to answer this big question of what does God want my life to be uh, in five years? Important question, uh, not what do I want my life to be in five years, but what, is, what does God really want for me? Uh, where does he want my life to go uh, in five years? And uh, so last week, the don'ts. Don't have time to go over all the don'ts, so if you haven't uh, heard that message, go listen to it. It's online for you. Get caught up. Uh, today, however, we're going to do the do's. Uh, it won't surprise you a lot, but they're important. And what we're trying to do uh, is uh, assuming that you've been listening and working on what we've been talking about, that your life is already changing, it's already moving. Uh, in these last couple messages, we're looking at, well, not only how do you become the person God wants you to be in five years, but as you get there, as you move in that direction, uh, how do you keep moving? How do you stay there? How do you keep growing? Because that's what God wants us to do. We're always growing into that next person that God wants us to be. And that's why we've been talking about the do's and the don'ts, to keep that movement going in our life, that we're always growing into the person God wants us to be. So you ready for the do's? All right, I'll take that. Good, thanks. Uh, if you'd said no, I'd do it anyway, But because uh, I wrote it. I got it down, all right? Uh, so here we go. This one won't surprise you, but this one is just like foundational, fundamental. If you're going to be the person that God wants you to be, if you're really going to be the person God wants you to be, you do have to face your failures. And that's a hard one. That is a hard one for us because inherently in our brokenness, this is what we like to avoid, right? We like to avoid. We, we like to fall into the pattern of self-justification or blaming others, right? Uh, if you've had kids or you've got grandkids, you've been around kids, you know this truth, right? Because you have to teach them to take responsibility for their mistakes. Isn't that correct? You've got to teach them that because their natural, in their brokenness, in their own sin, their natural is to try to blame it on somebody else or try to justify it somehow, right? Uh, and we don't really grow out of that very easily, right? As we get into our adulthood, we tend to try to do the same darn thing. And so we've we got to come to grips with this one. If you're going to have life change, if you're going to really become that person that God wants you to be, you've got to start by just facing those failures, owning up to those failures. Now, we learned this from Peter. We did Peter last week, right, where he followed Jesus into the courtyard when Jesus was arrested, remember, and uh, denied him how many times? Three. three times, thank you, three times. Uh, denied him three times, and then the rooster crows. And uh, here's where we pick it up in Matthew 26. He denies him three times, the rooster crows, and suddenly... Jesus' words, now notice that. What flashed through his head? Jesus's. when we talk about failure, it's important. We're not talking about the failure you might experience to live up to your own wants or your own desires. 
we're talking about spiritual failure. Failure to be the person God wants you to be. Failure to live into your identity in Christ. Failure to follow those words that Jesus spoke. Failure to be all-in Christ follower. And that's what's happening here with Peter, right? Jesus' words impact him, and they flash through Peter's mind, right? He's remembering. He's going, oh, my gosh, this is what Jesus said. Before the rooster crows, you'll deny me three times that you even know me. And he went away, and he was weeping how? Bitterly. Now, this is important. He's weeping bitterly. The Greek word that is behind it uh, is to sob, to wail aloud. What's going on in Peter's mind? What's going on in his heart? He is in this gut-wrenching moment. I mean, this is not just a, oh, shoot, hmm, darn. I mean, he is deeply destroyed. He is in a gut-wrenching kind of moment. Put yourself in his head. Put, put yourself into his thoughts. What's going through his head in that moment? He hears that rooster crow, and Jesus' words flash through his mind. What else flashes through his mind? I can't believe it. I was there when he did all the miracles. I can't believe I could do that. I was there when I even saw him raise the dead. I'm the guy that got out of the boat and walked on the water when he said, I can't believe I could do such a thing. Right? In that moment, he is captured not just because he denied him three times. He is captured in his utter failure to follow Christ all in at all costs gut-wrenchingly weeping bitterly at his core. He's not the only one to ever experience this. Uh, Paul is also a person of life change who had to go through the same facing of his failures as a persecutor to the church. Uh, Paul writes to the church in Corinth, and he says, for the kind of sorrow God wants us to experience, now remember what God wants, not about us, about what God wants, the kind of sorrow God wants us to experience leads us away from sin and results in salvation. There's no regret for that kind of sorrow. Notice a couple things happen. This, this gut-wrenching sorrow that Peter is experiencing, it's going to take him in a new direction in his life. See, when, when we come into repentance, right, when we walk and face our failures, Part of facing our failures is to understand we're done with that portion of our life. It's going to lead us away from sin. We're done with that. Peter is walking through this now, facing this failure and saying, I'm done with that. It's over. I can't do that again, right? His life's going in a new direction. It's going to result in a salvation direction. He's what? He's going to start becoming the person God wants him to be in spite of and through his failures. We call it repentance. That's the church word we use. Repentance, that experience of changing not only our mind, but changing our purpose, understanding God wants us to be someone else. That's not who God created me to be. 
that failure, that fault, that experience that I fell into, that, that's, my, that's my failure, and that's not who God wants me to be. And it leads to this life change. That's what we've been talking about in this whole series. It starts with facing our failures. Now, that's different than worldly sorrow. Paul says that in that words to Corinth. But worldly sorrow, which lacks repentance, results in spiritual death. It's, it's not just feeling, oh, gee, too bad, so sad, right? It, it's not one, you know, that child you're trying to teach repentance to, and you say, now, come on, say you're sorry, and they go to the person and say, sorry. They really sorry? You know that, right? You know what I'm talking about. You see, it's not that. I mean, we're talking about saying, I am done with that old life. I'm done. I've had it. I am done with being that person anymore. This is the kind of repentance. You see, just plain regret, just plain sorrow that doesn't issue into saying, i got to become the person God wants me to be here. That kind of just worldly sorrow doesn't get you anywhere. In fact, that just leaves you in destruction. How do I know that? See, there's another guy involved in this experience with Jesus that night he was betrayed. His name was Judas. Heard of him? Sure. What happens to Judas? Well, Judas, who betrayed him, Jesus, realized that Jesus had been condemned to die, and he was filled with remorse. Different. Not weeping bitterly. Not gut-wrenching, I'm done with that kind of life. In fact, what does he do? He goes to the religious leaders and he says, he took the 30 pieces of silver packed to the leading priests and the elders. What does he try to do? Listen, I'll buy myself out of this situation. I am just going to give it back as if it never happened. It's like that self-justifying kind of behavior. I'm just going to give the money back and that's as if it never happened and I have no responsibility in it. Oh, no. The Greek word there is just about regret and sorrow. It's not the same as what Peter was going through. And what was the outcome for Judas? Judas was left in destruction and he hanged himself. See, there's another guy in Scripture who's gone through this that Peter goes through. He went through it because he was a leader of Israel. His name was David. Heard of this guy? Happened to be a king. And he, too, didn't live up to God's words. In fact, he committed adultery and he committed murder. And the prophet confronted him with his failure. And he has to face his failure. And he writes Psalm 51 to express the same gut-wrenching experience that Peter ultimately goes through. And in that psalm, he says, the sacrifice you desire is a broken spirit. Not just, oh, I'm sorry, but a give it up. I'm done. I'm done with me. And you will not reject a broken and repentant heart, O oh God. Peter, like David, goes through the experience of facing his failures and saying, I'm done. Judas, 
Judas keeps in self-justification, and he experiences destruction. Peter experiences new life. You see, one of the big differences, it may not surprise you, but whatever your failure is, is not going to be a surprise to God. There's, there's nothing in your life that you've done that's going to shock him. There's nothing that's going to surprise him. He already knows. The psalmist David says, for he knows how weak we are. He remembers that we're only what? We're only dust. That's why I love Ash Wednesday. It reminds me that I need Christ to be the person God wants me to be. And that leads us to the next do. You see, Peter goes through this gut-wrenching experience, and he understands that you have to let Jesus carry the load. See, you can't be the person God wants you to be unless you confront the failures, and you do that relying on the mercy and the grace of Christ. You let Jesus carry the load for your faults and for your failures. Now, how do I know Peter got that? How do we understand and know that Peter could go through that and, and understand that truth? Well, amazingly, this guy Peter became the person God wanted him to be, and he happened to write two books in the New Testament. Amazingly, they're called what? First and Second Peter. Yeah, you heard of those, right? First and Second Peter. So we know it's him, right? But if you read through First and Second Peter, you can see, you can understand, you can, can be in that heart and mind of Peter. And he lives out of his failure and writes to the new followers in Christ. And so he writes in 1 Peter 5, and he says, So humble yourself under the mighty power of God. Do you think he gets what it is to be humble? Gut-wrenching, weeping bitterly. I mean, he's there. So humble yourselves under the mighty power of God. And at the right time, he has to go through this experience. It isn't just a blink moment. He's got to go through his sorrow, face his failures, right? At the right time, he will lift you up in honor. He will bring you to the person he wants you to be, right? Key verse, key seven. Give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares about you. Give it all up, all of it. Give all. Other translations will say, cast your sorrow. Heard of that? Cast your sorrow. The, the Greek word for what's translated give here or cast, right, uh, means to throw upon or deposit. It occurs only twice in the New Testament. It occurs here in, in uh, 1 Peter 5, and it also occurs in Luke 19.35 when they're getting the donkey ready as Jesus is ready to go into Jerusalem. Right on Palm Sunday when they're getting the donkey ready and it says they throw or they cast their coats uh, on the donkey on this beast of burden who carries the load. And who's on the beast of burden? Jesus. And why is he going into Jerusalem? To give it all for you, for us. To die. You see, we have to remember one of the verses we looked at the first Sunday we started this series, Ephesians 2, it says, but God, put God in the equation of your failures. 
But God is so rich in mercy. See, there's nothing in your life, there's nothing in your faults and failures that only it doesn't shock him or surprise him, but there's nothing beyond his mercy. Why? Because he's rich. He is extraordinarily wealthy in the love and the grace and the mercy. There is nothing that he is unable to forgive. Jesus gave it all. He died for it all. So what is it? What is it that you're still holding on to? What, what failure are you still self-justifying or blaming somebody else for? What is it that's keeping you from becoming the person God wants you to be? Because you just won't face it. I want to invite you. Face it. Because God is rich in mercy and he loves you so dang much. You heard it in Michelle's story, didn't you? You heard, not just Peter, but Michelle, coming to understand that, in spite of her faults, in spite of her failures. And we know this is true, and, and we see Jesus showing this grace to Peter right away, right? He has to go through these failures, face this failure, this, on Easter Sunday morning, an incredible experience happens. Not only does Jesus rise from the dead, incredible, amazing thing, right? Most incredible time in all history. He rises from the dead on that Sunday morning. The women go out to the tomb, stones rolled away, and some angels show up. You may remember the story, right? And they start talking to these women. And don't miss this. And incredible things happen. They tell the women about how Jesus has been raised from the dead. They tell them this most incredible piece of information of the victory of Christ on Easter Sunday morning, right? This amazing, stupendous story that changes all of history, that Jesus is raised from the dead. And look what the angel says. Now go and tell his disciples, including who? Peter, now think this through. Think about this. This means that on Resurrection Day, Jesus sends a couple angels to tell him the story. And before they go, Jesus takes the time to say, Now listen, angel guys, listen to me now. When you tell him this great, stupendous, incredible piece of information that I am risen from the dead and I am alive, do not forget. Make sure they tell Peter. Make sure now, don't forget. I love this guy so incredibly much and he's walking right through some sorrow and failure right now and he needs to know. He needs to hear. I am rich in mercy. I love him so incredibly much. He can be a new person in me if he just lets me carry the load. Tell Peter. Isn't that incredible? On that day, He's so rich in mercy, and he loves him so much. And it's true today. You could put your name right there because he wants you to hear the same thing. It's okay to face your failures. Please, please, face your failures. 
because I'll carry the burden I have. I died. We'll kill it together on the cross. And we'll rise, and you can be that new person God wants you to be. Now, important, as you become that new person that God wants you to be, notice what Peter does next. Peter gathers with the other followers. And you have to do the same. This is really important. You have to keep gathering with other Christ followers. When did Peter get in trouble? He fell into failure when he was where? In the courtyard, surrounded by whom? All kinds of worldly people. That's where he fell. Instead, now we see him gathering, in spite of his failure, he is gathering that Sunday evening, Resurrection Day evening, he's gathering with the other disciples. Now, I want you to think about this. How hard do you think that was for Peter? How hard do you think that was to walk through that door because every one of those guys knew, they knew Peter failed. He had to walk into that room, and they all knew what a failure he was. See, the temptation for us when we go through these times and we go through failure is to isolate ourselves. We withdraw from God's people. We stop coming to church. We stop getting together with other Christians in small groups. That's destruction. Guess who did that? Guess who stopped? Who didn't show up and meet with the disciples? His name was Judas. And what was the outcome? Destruction. No, Peter takes the path of becoming the new person that God wants him to be in spite of his faults and his failures. He walks into that room and he gathers with God's people. I'm your pastor. Listen to me. Truth. Some of you aren't here enough. You're just not here enough on Sunday morning. Or you're not joining us online enough on Sunday morning. I, I don't know how, you, how you're going to do it. I don't know how you do it. I don't know how you become the person that God wants you to be if you don't gather with his people. I, I'm just telling you, I don't understand how that happens. When I'm on vacation, I go to church because i got to be with God's people. i got to come to the table because I know how dang weak I am. If you're going to be the new person God wants you to be, you got to come. Did you listen to Michelle? What happened when she walked away, when she said, God, you're not worth it, and she walked away? Destruction. I sinned and I sinned hard. New life began when? When she walked back through the door. That's why everybody's welcome here. That's why it doesn't matter what your fault or your failure is here. At Christ Church, we're a collection of broken people every Sunday. And we're all working together to become the person God wants us to be. And Jesus showed up in the room for Peter, and he shows up in the room for us, and he brings us a peace that the world just can't bring. How do I know this is important? 
Here's the truth. You ready? Here's the example. On that first Easter Sunday morning, Jesus shows up in the room, but there's one guy missing. He didn't show up that day. He didn't go and gather with the disciples that day. His name was Thomas. And what do we call him? Doubting Thomas. Destruction started creeping into his life because he didn't show up. He didn't gather with God's people. And what was the outcome? Doubt, destruction started creeping into his life. Eight days later, he shows up. And who else showed up in his life? In spite of his failure, in spite of his doubt, once again, Jesus. You're going to be the person God wants you to be. You've got to surround yourself with God's people. Last one, out of time. You also got to get involved in ministry. You got to let God use your failures. Your failures are the power of Christ at work in your life. Did you listen to Michelle? She could give a testimony to the glory of Christ today, a God story to the glory of Christ today, because she understood going through her failures led her back into these doors. And what is she doing now? Ministry. Her failures led her to engage in other people's lives. God uses our failures. I'm going to go real quick. Let me prove this to you. What happens to Peter? Peter meets Jesus after he's raised from the dead. He meets him on a shore, right? He meets him on a shore, and they have a discussion. And uh, uh, finally, got to go through this. After all of this, three times I'll never sleep. I'll never do it. Three times he slept. Three times he denied. Jesus meets him on a shore, and Jesus challenges him. Listen, do you love me? Yes. Feed my lambs. Does it again. Do you love me? Yes. Then take care of my sheep. And a third time. How many times? Three, three times. Do you love me, Simon Peter? Yes, oh Lord, I'm so frustrated. You're asking me this again a third time. Then feed my sheep. Here's the way it works. Three times Peter said, I'm so full of myself, <laughs> I'll never do that. Three times he ignored Jesus, didn't give him the time. Three times he denied Jesus, went into failure. And Jesus comes along after he's raised and says, three times feed my sheep. What is the outcome? On the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit came upon him, as the Holy Spirit has come upon all believers in this room, Peter steps where? Forward. He let God use him and his failure. And what was the outcome? Great number. Three thousand come to believe. Three times, three times, three times, three times equals three thousand. That's God math. Huh? That is incredible. Holy Spirit God math. You know what? We ought to have 3,000 people here. I'm just telling you. We ought to have 3,000 people here. Because you are enough. You're enough that you give it all. Become the person God wants you to be. God is going to use your faults and your failures to impact the lives of people that don't know him. He is still building a force for his movement.
to change this world. You want to solve the problems of this world? Get in ministry. Let God start using your faults and your failures. Let's pray. Father, thanks. Thanks for challenging us today and these weeks to be the person that you want us to be. Uh, help us. We rely on your grace. We rely on your richness of mercy. The love you have for us. You carry the load. You took on the burden. You died. You nailed it. So, Lord, help us to hear our voice like those angels spoke to Peter. Tell Peter. Tell each one in this room this morning. They're forgiven. They're loved. You have a life for them. Help each one of us, Lord. Help each one of us to go through our failures and to step into your grace. Keep bringing us together. Keep feeding us at your table. Keep encouraging us in your words. Bring other Christ followers around us every week, all the time, that we can know strength and hope and life. And Lord, push us. Push us into ministry. Push us into serving. Push us into the lives of broken people who don't know you. There's at least 3,000 waiting for you outside these doors. We know it. Use our faults and our failures that they too could have the life you want. Lord, thank you that we can hope and begin the journey to be the person that you want us to be. Not just in five years, but today. We ask it all in Jesus' precious name. Amen.